Hey, what's happening? This is John Hanlon, and you're listening to the Live Free Podcast with Frank Maxwell. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? I'm Mike Maxwell, and this is the Live Free Podcast. Thanks to John Hanlon for sending in this week's um, intro action. If you want to do that, just send me an MP3 to info at mikemaxwellart.com. Uh, go ahead and just do whatever you want, really, I guess. Um, this is the intro. Uh-oh, I don't have my paperwork around me. I am unprepared today, obviously. Um, shoot. Well, really, I just don't have my list of all the things that we talked about, which I guess if you listen to the show, you'll figure it out exactly what it is that we talked about, and it won't really matter anyway. Um, all right, well... My guest today is Mr. Chris Dyer. We met out in um, Miami, uh, but I had actually known about his work a little bit before that. My uh, a previous guest on the show, Mr. Skinner, he had uh, he sent me an email saying, really go check out this guy's stuff, get him on the podcast. So we met in Miami and uh, decided to set something up. I had planned to record while I was out there, but it was such mayhem and like just wildness that there really was no time to even pretend to do that um so we talk about miami we talk about soccer we talk about peru talk about visionary arts and sort of getting lumped into titles and being wild and then sort of pulling it all back together and being creative and shit so sorry i flubbed my intro here but I'm sure it doesn't matter all that much. Um, Make sure you go follow us on Twitter. You can follow the podcast. In fact, go follow the podcast on Twitter. Do it. It's at Live Free Podcast. And if you want to follow me, um, at Mike Maxwell Art. Um, Make sure you go check out the website, MikeMaxwellArt.com. Click on the blog and you'll get all the information about each guest. Download and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. It helps get the numbers up. Download all the shows. Our sponsor for this episode is Individual Clothing. Make sure you go check their stuff out at indvsl.com. We put all the links in the blog, and I got to go back and there's some old links in some of the old podcasts that are not working. I got to go fix them. Sorry, Daryl. I'll do it ASAP, but I'm crazy right now, so um, I'll make sure to go make that happen, but go check them out. They got a ton of cool artwork-based T-shirts and clothing and sweatshirts and jackets. Um, people really enjoy them, so make sure you go check that stuff out. I-N-D-V-S-L dot com. I'm rocking the Logan Hicks joint today. Recognize. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Chris Dyer. <laughs> Yo, brother, how are you? I'm good. Good, so, very good. Try to get my my mug up in the screen. You're not, you're, oh, there you are. Sweet, you got a haircut. Yeah, my girl cut my hair for me. Sweet, I get my hair, my hair cut by my wife too, but that only happens every like five years or something. I know, do you, <laughs> have, to, do you have to trim those things? You got some massive um, dreadlocks. Yeah, like uh, when it gets to my waist, I cut it back to my shoulders. I don't erase your dreads, but I don't let them grow past my waist because that's just retarded. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been growing them for? Uh, 11 years. Wow. Yeah. One second. My cat is whining at me. Okay. You want to interrupt? Okay. One second. I'm just going to keep it. Yeah, no problem. There you go now. Yeah. All right. It's, 
sweet. Sorry about that. That's okay. I actually just went and dropped my dog off uh, with uh, with Crystal right up the street at her work. So because he does the same thing, he's like, I'll, "I'll be in your face while you want to record, and then when you're just chilling, I'm just gonna go chill too." Yeah, totally. I don't know. My cat is awesome, Leon, but he just needs lots of attention. So whatever, it's all good. So um, back to your dreads, though. Do, do Do you ever have the problem like you know how like girls with with um naturally big breasts sometimes have trouble with their back do you ever have any trouble with because they kind of weigh a lot right you have any trouble with uh, your neck or anything yeah i got a pretty thick neck because of it um i get back backs once in a while um it whacks me off for skateboarding uh you know like especially when i'm doing mini ramp i'll already be going the other direction but the dreads are still going on the direction that i, I first went so like and i'm tall and all fucking out of balance to start with so yeah it bugs me up but uh it's fun whatever <laughs> yeah that's it, it was something i was thinking about like it, it, it has to change your center of balance somehow especially skateboarding all the time yeah totally i like to like put them up so it's like falling onto me as opposed to pulling my head back or i don't know it's uh yeah it's weird but I'm, I'm so used to it i don't really think about it anymore <laughs> yeah right so um you and I just met in person uh, out in Miami during uh, Basel week, but um, before that, it was really weird. I as soon as I got off the plane, I jumped in the car and went right to the Fountain Art Fair. And mm -hmm. the driver, as he was getting my my luggage out of the back of the trunk, he's like, "Man, you sh you shouldn't walk around here with your with your luggage. It might not be safe for you, right?" And it was weird because that corner was like crazy busy that whole week. But when I got dropped off, it was dead quiet. There was I didn't see there was nobody out walking around. Nobody in Wynwood. Yeah, in the Wynwood area, right on uh, on on Miami. Like okay, my, cool. dro they dropped me off at Miami at twenty fourth, right there. Were you afraid? Well, I wasn't that scared, but like it concerns me when other people are concerned. You know, like. Mm -hmm. I can sometimes pick yeah. up like, oh well, maybe there should be some genuine concern, but at the same at the same moment, I got dropped off. My cell phone decided not to work. Like it just like took a dive and didn't want to, you know, just like a computer crashes, it just crashed. So I couldn't get a hold of anybody. So any anyhow, we ended up meeting in that lot where right where I got dropped off to paint for the Winwood wall, and I had recognized you some from like from my brain. Because you're, you're, like we said, <laughs> so your dreads, in there. <laughs> your dreads were, were are pretty recognizable. But I couldn't place how I knew you, and mm -hmm. finally I figured it out after we had started. Like we were painting for a little while, it like clicked that uh, one of the past guests, Skinner, had sent me like this email saying, "Hey man, you got to talk to this guy. Super cool. Go go talk to him." So it, it was on my list of things to do. But you know, as as lists go. A lot of times it gets pushed to, pushed to the side. So I see you and I was like, fuck, I know this dude's face. Because when Skinner had told me, I went and looked for some stuff. And then you guys had made a video when uh, you guys hung out. And finally it clicked as we, I think we, I, we may have been painting on the wall side by side as it like made sense. So um, how uh, how did you meet Skinner and and how did you we we ended up uh work we were working with the in mass guys from montreal which you're you're working out of there now so how maybe how did you meet skinner and and then how did you link up with the in mass guys well first of all i'm happy that i will be remembered as the guy who slapped skinner in the face repeatedly yeah yeah <laughs> Um, yeah, it's funny, like, well, Skinner, I don't know, like, sometimes when you just uh, see a soul that vibrates at the same frequency and you, you can see it through their art, I didn't know who he was or what, but this art, even though its subject matter is radically different from what I do, the colors speak to me, it, it touches something in me that has that, like, 80s kid sort of vibe, so, you know, I'd see it in the net, and I had it as my uh, screen saver or whatever and a friend told me yo that's uh, that's uh skinner's art and i was like oh i don't know that artist he's like yeah well it's on your fucking computer it's like oh great and so i i checked him out on facebook and i was like sick more of this stuff so i just hit him up and he's like dude great art and then he checked out my stuff and he's like oh i love your art too and 
I sent in my my doc and he liked it and uh, and he said oh, when are you come to Cali come and hang out with me so I was in Cali last summer doing some shows and I was like oh I'll stop by Sacramento and we got to hang out for some days and you know he's got this little art playground and you know we had a lot of fun <laughs> nice yeah, so, super so nice guy. you're up in Montreal now, and maybe we should jump back. Uh, you were born in Peru, but you left Peru when you were pretty young, right? Um, I was actually born in Ottawa, and I was then taken to Ottawa at age four. Okay. And then from four to 17, I grew up in Lima, Peru. So, yeah, I had two culture shocks in my youth, which sort of fucked me up. But uh, I think I've... I've come to grips now with reality. And yeah, it. sure. Is that was that jump from was it noticeable as a four year old the the difference from Ottawa to to going to Peru was? Oh yeah, totally. Like you're just grasping onto what the fucking planet Earth is about, like people and stuff, and people from Canada and the weather and society and everything, the language, everything's different. You're just learning English, everybody's, you know, I guess white and polite and all this shit. And then you go to Peru and everything's radically different and it's more of a aggressive sort of like way of being. And I don't know, it fucked with me a lot for sure. So I, I didn't know how to like behave anymore. And I know it's just like a weird kid forever. So I would <laughs> art and that would like sort of keep my i guess my artistic soul you know expression of reality <laughs> and then chris the chris, chris to, hold like, on with you know i grew up the, yeah hold on one second the, the computer's glitching out a little just a little bit okay am i getting all eight? oh uh, 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 you ooh, yeah if it gets sure. crazy again we could just turn the video off it typically will will slow it down a little bit do you want me to turn it off you seem all right right now okay Cool. It might just um, be glitchy from the internet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I pride on my good internet. I'm gonna turn myself off. Okay. That way, I'll I'll save you the the nightmares later tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, you know, I grew up all like uh, then I when I lived in Peru, I had enough years to like turn into a normal Peruvian and play soccer and be more aggressive, and I I ended up being in a street gang and. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, you finished school, now go back to Canada at 17. So then I go to Canada, and I'm fucked up once again, because by then I was Peruvian, and I didn't fit into Canada. I was like, oh my god, this place is so boring and peaceful, and people are too nice, and fuck, you know, no surfing, <laughs> no soccer, no street gangs. So yeah, it was, it was you know, difficult, uh, but... That was something I wanted to talk to you about, because it was funny, when we were working on the wall, I had mentioned, I, and you, I don't know if you remember or not, but I mentioned that I have, was considering joining a little soccer league that uh, a couple of my stoner buddies do, right? Oh, okay. And so I, I watched your film, there's a documentary out that you did, um, <clears throat> and I realized what a different experience soccer is for somebody like the youth who grew up in Peru compared to this like 30 year old white guy who just wants to go kick the ball around with some soccer dudes. Right. Like, yeah, totally. The experience is two wholly separate things. Do you want, can you talk about a little bit about like what it was like, like that youth culture involved in like, like how street gangs were revolved around soccer teams well, and there's a sort of interconnection there. No. Yeah, well, to start with, in South America, but, you know, in a lot of countries around the world, but I'll, I'll just go start with Peru, because that's the country I know. Sure. Soccer is everything, you know? Like, if you're bored, you somebody has a soccer ball, and you'll start playing a game, even if you just put, put two rocks to make the goal, and it's you and one guy, and you just kick the ball. But it's very normal that if you got, like, a gang of, like, five people or more, you'll just bust out a soccer match in the middle of the street and that's like it, it's a, it's the first thing you'll do there to have fun so in the breaks in school it was always soccer and i suck at sports you know and it, it was really fucking i went to an old boys school private british school in lima and i just suck at sports i'm sorry that was just i don't know this is the way i was born 
But that sucks, you know, because they never treat me like a super nerd that I was. But, you know, they don't have to discriminate on me just because I don't know how to kick a ball. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, once again, that's what made me go back to art. You know, it's like, well, fuck them. You know, I'll just sit on the side of the soccer field and do my drawings and that will keep me happy. And it, and it did. Uh, later on, I sort of like kept like you sort of forced to play soccer. It's not like you can get away from it forever. So I play it up and, you know, I sucked, but they didn't really matter. And then all my friends started to go to the soccer stadium to see the real teams. And then I would start going with them and just to like, you know, do something. And then what was cool is that there's like this huge fucking hooligan movement there that supports each team. And I actually really loved that part of it because it's so wild and crazy. And you got us trillions and everybody's jumping and singing and going nuts and fucking like, you know, it's such a like a fucking huge, crazy energy of people supporting their teams. And I love that vibe. I was like, wow, here can go fucking nuts. It's like a metal concert but looking at a soccer match at the same time. Do you think there's so, something primal about that? Like a like a sort of harken back to like a, a sort of primal sort yeah. of tribal mentality? Oh yeah, definitely. There's this like huge fucking like caveman destruction monster kind of vibe going there. And uh, when you lose a match or even when you win it, you just go out and you fucking just want to like beat the crap out of the people who support their team, which sounds retarded for us because we are like yeah. a first world country that doesn't dwell in such a pity matter. But when you're poor and you're like, well, life's fucked already. We're poor. We're struggling. Let's go out and like fuck some shit up. But that with that said, I, we see that still in like Canadian hockey league, you know, in like when hockey teams go crazy. We see that in America mm -hmm. with, uh, with like basketball and football teams. Like cities, there's something that happens in that sort of – rally around the team that and especially well, group mentality particularly group mentality mom mentality when you grab like a bunch of people put them together you lose your individuality in a way and if you all like bring out the fire anger out and you're like fuck we lost our team let's fucking go and you just not even yourself and you're just like fuck yeah and you're like running and you fucking break every car in the way and break every window and it, like the enemy gets in your way you'll fucking throw rocks at them and it's actually really fucking fun for a teenager that has all this fucking destructive frustration energy in them so i was super into that vibe for a few years until uh, my parents are like, okay, dude, go to Canada where things are more peaceful. Enough trouble for you. So and, what's up? Yeah. You did that at 17, you said? You went back to Canada? Yeah. They sent me to live with my grandmother. And, yeah, that sort of sucked. I didn't have friends for, like, five months. So for five months, I was just living in my grandmother's apartment, drawing cartoons. Uh, I wrote a book. I just watched a bunch of fucking uh, North American TV to try to learn about the culture and... And yeah, and then eventually I met a couple of like drunken bastards in my college and, you know, had some fun with them. <laughs> and this whole time you're drawing constantly. I, there, There's something about, I think, those early drawings that I saw that are, are definitely, it's very, um, it's a narrative. It's, you know, you're almost like a, you're making documentaries on paper in mm -hmm. this sort of uh, like sort of standard uh, like illustrative book method you know yeah was was recording history something that was important to you at that time or was I there guess always like uh i i got this natural need to express myself and record reality uh I don't know why I want to capture the now constantly, but I'm always like stoked, like whatever I'm doing, I'm like so stoked. So at the time when I was doing those comics or like graphic novel sort of style, it was about recording my street gang days and also my surfing adventures with my surf team that I had. And, you know, I love them so much. And then all of a sudden it's all removed from me. It's like, oh, I lost all my friends in a day to be in a place where nobody knew me. And there was no surfing and I would buy all these surf mags and be like, oh man, I miss it so much. So I was like, I got to like live in my imagination to be back with them. So at least I'll draw them and recreate all these stories that I, that I loved so much. So I'll never forget them. I'm so happy I got them because by now I already forgot them in my brain. Yeah. Drawn. That's something that's interesting. I think for artists, like giving themselves a sort of, um, 
a pictorial history that they can go back and remember things because we we think a lot of times that our memories are sound and we're, we remember everything perfectly but really our brain just kind of mashes everything up and you don't really get a good sense of what memory really is and if you get an opportunity to go back and look and see some of the written observations or you know the these pictures that you make, you got to you get a better sense of what reality was back then. It's hard to it's hard to jump back and see it in our minds clearly. Yeah, anyway, totally. I can't wait when I when I die. Like the first thing I want to do is to tell like God or the angel or whoever picks me up. It's like, yo man, can you take me to like a like a magical like TV where I can check out the best parts of my life? Like I don't have no videos of me surfing as a kid, for example. I can't wait to like check myself as a 12 year old surfing a wave in, in Peru. That I'd be so stoked, man. So yeah, at least drawing it, it's a capture of an image in your mind and you can keep that forever. And, and I'm stoked to that, especially with the weed, you know, once we start smoking weed on top of it, that kills so much of my memory. So it's sort of like damage there. <laughs> And, you know, it's it's almost like it's a time machine. But what's interesting is that it's when you're doing it, like something I think that really brings a lot of joy, particularly for people who are, you know, like you said, like a youth who's kind of destructive and sort of rebellious against like what the status quo of society is, is for a minute it allows you to just be in the moment. While you're working, you don't have to worry about anything. You're just focused on, on exactly what it is you're doing. So, like in the process it's really important about the moment but then later you know after it's done it could be recorded as this like history book yeah totally the the act of creation is beautiful and distracting that which was what i needed at that time and uh yeah having records of your life is it's great you know because that way you can keep on learning from it and be like oh yeah i used to think that way good to see my personal evolution into whatever it is now my uh, my last guest just lost uh, um, their whole hard drive, like like fifteen mm. years of like imagery and like paintings and all like their their stuff, you know. Oh damn! Yeah, where's but, the backups in there? I don't know. Like, but I was talking <laughs> about is like you know part of that like no you don't have to protect it anymore. So like there's some freedom in that in not worrying about keeping all that stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. You know? Do you ever think? Do, do you ever think about that, like how, like, collecting all this history? Do you have a tendency to uh, to hold on to it kind of tightly? Um, or I wonder if people yes. do. Maybe not. <laughs> maybe not you specifically, but you know. I I feel like if anything, I didn't hold on to it enough. Like I, I like I wish I could have the books I would make when I was eight years old because I make all these books about like GI Joes or Transformers, where I cut all the catalogs I used to get and make like little descriptions of each robot or each warrior or whatever. I wish I could have that, you know? Because it's just so like, whoa, cool, you are me, but you're not really me. And you're a kid on top of it. I'm always trying to capture that kid inside of me and, you know, befriend them and be like, dude, you're okay. I love you, you know? If, if he can feel better, then maybe I can feel better. And that way the process of healing can occur so that I'm less of a damaged human being. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Like the idea of like how that person is a totally different person. But then on the same point that you're saying about letting go, that's where, for example, like I live in a good apartment and, you know, I got all my shit around me, all my toys and books and all these things. I love skateboards. But then when I go traveling, I can go traveling for many months. And when I'm in the middle of traveling, I'm like, who gives a fuck about all that shit anyways? You know, like I'm living the now and it's beautiful and that's all that matters and if i never went back home really it doesn't even matter because i know it's still in my heart and you know i'm just a human being for like i don't know 80 years once i'm dead i'll remember everything instantly so you know it'll, it'll all be good it's something so. uh mike giant says a lot he's like you know it's like i just have a really big backyard like i'm always at home it's just my backyard extends the entire globe or something to that effect you know what i mean Nice. Yeah, I love the, uh, I, I listened to the interview between you and and uh, I really liked the stuff he had to say. He seemed like a pretty awesome, wise guy. Yeah, he's a, uh, he's, he, he's the shit. Um, so speaking of adventures and shit, you, you've done quite a few yourself. I know, uh, you've done some pretty serious hitchhiking. I guess, I guess when you got to Canada, you, you were doing some reforestation. 
Well, uh, for my first few years when I was in Canada, I was a drunken bastard. And that, that was something I spent like five years of me just being like, well, that's when I started doing drugs, which was good in some ways, but not so good in other ways. Because I just go too far with whatever you give me. I just, I go to the max and then like, there's a lot of self-destruction. So I was like drunk like five times a week and just, you know, you, you turn into an asshole a little bit when you're like always, you know, you don't have that parameter of reality and you just do whatever you want. You become very selfish. And it got, got to a point where I was just burning and I was like, I got to get the fuck out of here. I got to like, you know, refresh. So I went and did a job as a tree planner in the north of Canada. And I went by myself. I didn't go with any friends so I could not have any prejudgments of who I was or who I had to be. I could be whatever I wanted at, at that moment. So yeah, tree planning definitely was a, a great experience where I got to like re see who I was and who I wanted to be and learn from nature and just observe that the reality of the world is nature, not the fucking city masks, concrete fucking structures that always surrounded me all, all the time. And that was a really important uh, lesson to have. Uh, and with that inside me, I got this new uh, first for traveling. It's like, okay, what else is out there? You know, all my life I, I've been missing out on this. What else is out there? So that's when I went hitchhiking and I loved it. And I, I could see how life was so synchronistic. You know, when you hitchhike, you never know who's going to pick you up. And then that ride takes you to the right place to ride the night, the right people. And it keeps them going. And you're just like, wow, this is so like such a blessing. And so, so trippy at the same time. And How great is hitchhiking? Like the, the stories that you get, like the people that you meet. Like I, I once got picked up by this person and said, uh, if you're brave enough to get in, I should be brave enough to pick you up. Because you know? <laughs> there's always like that fear of like, oh, they're going to kill me. Oh, they're going to – like I remember I got in a, in a car that had a gun under the seat. And I still oh, wasn't that afraid. You know what I mean? Well, that's the States, though. I, I have done hitchhiking in the States, but definitely hitchhiking in Canada is a totally different game. Yeah. We in Canada, to... you'll always get picked up. Like, you know, sometimes you got to wait a couple hours, but eventually you get picked up, and it's usually a nice person totally, who totally. will feed you, we will get you stoned, we'll give you a beer. <laughs> Same in Mexico, you know? But when I was in the States, people, there's this huge fear mentality, uh -huh. and, you know, they think, you know, because I got long hair and a beard, I'm a terrorist. So no, he picks me up. And when they pick me up, they're all like fucking edgy. Like, oh my God, I hope this is not the wrong guy. So, but no, I never, I've never had one bad thing in the many years of hitchhiking. No, I haven't. And you know, with that, with the first two examples said, like I've had like lawyers and doctors and like surf dogs and vans and like all kinds, like we, me and my homeboys used to just hitchhike down to the beach every weekend for the, on this, during the summer or whatever, you know? You know, just like a half hour hitchhike or something there nice. and back. But you still get to meet like these really interesting people. Oh, yeah, totally. If somebody's giving somebody a ride, it's because they're open minded enough to know that that person who is a stranger is at the same time their brother and the, the oneness of themselves. So they're they're open for it. So the people you meet hitchhiking are very interesting. So I, I really like that. Yeah, it it takes a like a sort of giving mentality to even be willing to stop and and do something, right? To stop and pick yeah. somebody up, to care for a stranger, you know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, we don't see that. It, we it seems like like not to toot our own horns, but like creative types seem to be almost more empathetic, you know. Or yeah. it's not even like they're more empathetic, but maybe more in almost more in tune to be able to recognize somebody else's suffering well we're more sensitive uh and i don't want to say like every artist is spiritual but that sensitivity also makes us a little bit more in tune to the soul that's in everybody else and at the same time because of our sensitivities maybe not i wouldn't say every artist but maybe a lot of us suffer or we can feel our pain a little bit more and when you feel your pain you're like damn i don't want this pain but I don't want this pain for anybody, you know, like this sucks. Uh, this sucks for me. I don't want anybody else feeling this way. So even if I suffer, if I can make somebody else not suffer, that's great. That makes me a little bit happier. And in that way, I think art is a, it's a giving, it's a giving to oneself, to your own healing, but it's a giving to the world. It's like, here is my, my insights to you. 
and hopefully this helps you and vice versa you know we heal from other people's hearts did you notice any of those types of like emotions or feelings as uh as a youngster like before you decided like art was like a thing you know before you were like oh this is this career path well i didn't really like intellectualize art i just had to do it you know ever since i was like conscious of being a human being i had to make stuff i would make like a robot out of garbage or you know a clubhouse out of the furniture in my room or you know, or just draw or paint, or I had to keep busy that way because I was not doing sports <laughs> and all the other kids were doing sports. So I had to do something. And the whole like idea of like, oh, this could be a career, I guess only came when I was 17. My parents are like, okay, we're going to send you to Canada, start choosing a career. And I'm like, fuck, all I really enjoy is to make these surf cartoons. So maybe I'll get into animation. And that didn't really work out because my skills weren't good enough to get into an animation school. But then when I was learning more fine arts, I was like, ah, I actually like this better, you know? So, and then once I become more of a fine artist or whatever you want to call it, I was like, okay, what's the intention behind this? Uh, what's the purpose of my life? Am I an artist? Why am I an artist? What am I going to, how am I going to help the world with my art? Am I going to live in a selfish way where I only help myself make money and die? Or going to use this as a tool for my own growth and to make the world a better place, which needs it so badly, you know? So, yeah, I guess that's the process of that. Did, um, I know in, in the film you show a lot of your travels. I know we were just talking about hitchhiking. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I noticed you went to a lot of different, um, like ancient temple spaces like you you visit you've been able you've been you visited the pyramids in south america you've been to the pyramids in egypt um did you, did you go to thailand yeah i did a, a six six months in southeast asia so there's the the angkor wat ruins out there and those are amazing so what type of you know for for someone like me that that looking in on that as an outside observer that takes a, a tremendous level of um a brave brevity you know it, it you, you need to be brave it seems like to do something like that um was was there something that sort of pushed you into taking those trips that like uh you know something that encouraged you to expand your horizons in such a, a dramatic way or do you think it had something to do with your being able to jump from Canada to Peru back to Canada was did it make that sort of leap easier for you yeah I guess like you know having two culture shocks in my life it was hurtful at the time but at the same time it opened up my mind to like okay I'm in Peru it's this mentality okay I'm in Kenya it's this mentality and then I go back and forth and there's a, it opens up your mind a little bit to know that there's total different places but in the end people are just people and you know, I didn't really become a traveler right away. As I told you, I needed to be opened up a little bit more via nature and tree planning. But um, yeah, I, I guess going to Mexico and hitchhiking some more. And I, I'm just very curious. I want to see so many things. I still like, I would love to go to like Nepal and Japan and, you know, see so much more. There's so much beauty in this world. And I want to see it all. <laughs> it's just, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's a lust for beauty, I guess. Does, uh, does any of it come out of just boredom? No, I'm, I don't think it, it's tough for me to be bored. There's too much stuff, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm too busy and, uh, but yeah, I guess you want to change your your reality. You you're living in your city and you're doing the same thing over and over again. At one point, it's like okay, we got to switch it up or we got to get away from it, no matter where you go, so you can observe it from afar and appreciate it again. And when you go to like a totally radically different place like Asia, you're like, oh wow, this is so interesting. And then you actually observe where you came from again, especially when you go back, you're like, oh, this is how we do it. It's like you observe. All right, we're back on. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem, man. Eh? GarageBand is getting sick of recording my my nonsense. It's like, oh, we've had enough of you. But it's not rocky enough. So we we were talking about traveling and like the idea that 
you know, if you're in one place for too long, you got to get up and see some other things. But that that's really something new, right? Like within the last hundred years since we built planes and had the ability to go travel long distance in a short time, like we've never really had that ability before. I guess not, huh? So we're stoked and we're lucky and let's hope that we can still do it for long enough before uh, I don't know oil runs runs out, or hopefully when boy like you know invent new technologies or bring out the technologies that are already there to be able to travel around the world, you know, without burning out the planet or you know costing too much money. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know. We we're gonna have to figure that out here shortly. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the stuff that you're making now. We obviously, we just worked in Miami, uh, on some big murals together. Um, mm -hmm. but you do a lot of stuff, uh, different, like, obviously like, like myself, a lot of different things. Um, you, you get lumped into this, uh, sort of art, art culture defined as visionary art. Do you, do you get, does it, is it weird to deal with, uh, like titles and stuff like that? Like when you get bunched into like a group, or does it feel yeah, bad? It's feel sort bad? of weird, but at the same time, you sort of need it because like you you're looking for your audience, and audience doesn't uh, sad to say like sometimes audience looks for individual artists, but they say like, well, I like lowbrow art, you know, or I like visionary art, or I like whatever skateboard art. So they look at that kind of art, and then they look for other people in that genre. So, uh, you know, I guess I feel sort of like, you know, blessed that me being from Montreal, Canada, east of Canada, so far away from the epicenter of visionary art, which is uh, the west coast of the States, that they would like what I'm doing and they invite me to do events with them out there, uh, many times flying me out there just so I'm, I'm present. So, you know, I'm stoked, you know, and it seems like a well-intended group of people who want to use their art for the spiritual awakening of the planet. So, uh, you know, that's the good part. And yeah, at the same time, I don't like boxes, you know? You know, I don't like to be like, oh, Chris Dyer is a visionary artist or a skate artist or a this or a that or a guy with dread, so he's a Rasta. <laughs> or like, I, I hate titles, you know? Like, I am me, I'm a unique person as anybody else. But, you know, once again, communities are good. They help you out. You find people who like the kind of art and then they can look at yours and hopefully you can then find clients that can help you sustain your lifestyle. So, you know, I, I just take it as a blessing. And it's almost like, you know, there's like a magnetic force that seems to happen to where it's like like-minded people sort of gravitate towards one another. And you start to see it... Um, aesthetically you know like in like in terms of like color tones like you'll see a similar palette that just exists or even like a style of dress or you know a, a personality type those 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 similarities seem to find one another and it becomes easy to sort of define groups yeah totally then you just got to be careful of like the cliche because then it's like as soon as it becomes a thing it's like it becomes like you, um, like you said, you don't like boxes. Like you almost have to like fit into a certain thing. Like it, it. Sometimes people get stuck in those, those spots where they think they have to be. But I don't, I don't, I don't see that from you. But you, well, you my that? my thing is that I want to grab the different elements of the different styles of who I am and what I interact, and it's mix them together. For example, I got one foot in the skate art art world and I got one foot in the visionary and maybe maybe a, a toenail in the graffiti or whatever but then <laughs> I want to bring that east coast vibes to those west coast kids and then I want to bring their west coast vibe out here out east because what I'm doing here in Montreal no is no is doing it and then when I go out west I'm the the weird guy the weird visionary who skates and is like you know a little bit different and topics are more like from the street as opposed to this airy fairy sort of vibes and when it comes to like cliches and boxes i specifically don't want to look like other visionary artists like i'll do anything i can not to look like alex gray you know if that means i gotta use no eyes <laughs> or no webs or energy like even though I, i'd like to express that sometimes you know i just want to be unique i want to be myself i don't want to like look like other people or even as one genre i want to like my whole thing is we're all the same you know fuck the labels or the boxes let's bring it all together so i want to grab all those ingredients throw it on the canvas 
and it can be appreciated by different groups of people and different genres. And in that way, I create bridges. Like, for example, in the mass thing, I was bringing my visionary friends to jam on the wall. You know, and at the same time, I was trying to get the NMAS dudes to go and check out the Visionary Show, you know, and not, not keep it separated and be like, look, we're all doing beautiful things. At the end, we're all the same, and that's awesome. Yeah, totally. When you get down to it, creating is creating. Yeah, totally. But um, what, uh, what do you think, what was the coolest place that you've been able to see so far in all your travels? Has there been a spot that, like, has been you really saw something different or saw a place that like changed your your mode of thinking wow there's a lot of, i've been to a lot of places and there's a lot of awesome place it's tough to like a, a, like a lot of people ask me like oh yeah what's your favorite place you've been no I, I can't say it but at the same time i can say that i really loved when i was in bali bali is this little island in indonesia that has such sick art it's crazy like you go there and like my art sucks because every little artisan on the street is killing it. And they don't even care to put their name on it. It's like, oh, this is what we do. We do these super intricate monster beasts and carvings and paintings. And oh, it's what we do. Meanwhile, you know, there's amazing surfing and volcanoes and nature. And it's this like super epic little island out there in Asia. So that place, I'm always like, fuck, I wish I lived there. Then another place I really liked was Burma. Burma is a little country, also in Southeast Asia, that has this like military dictator for the last like you know since the '60s, and a lot of people don't go there because like oh I don't want to go there because I don't want to support the dictator asshole or whatever. But I was like fuck it, you know I'm still gonna go and check it out. And people who were there like oh thanks for coming in. We wanna we're not allowed to watch movies from outside our country or TV or get out of our country so when you travelers come through you tell us what's going on in the world and that way we we in a way we learn and we stay updated but at the same time even though they're in prison and all that stuff because they're not allowed to leave or to see stuff from the western world their culture has remained intact you know that's actually really beautiful they still wear their skirts they paint their faces they chew the shit that makes their teeth all like red <laughs> and you know they, they they've kept on like you know authentic where thailand and other countries are all western style the area wants to be america and that's cool you know it's cool that you have the freedom to be it but it's sort of sad at the same time you know i want to see people keeping it real to their roots in a way so there's a good and bad of every everywhere but the, the, it's just like super nice the director who did the working class film on mike giant and i he um his next film is about um burma and this sort of thing all the stuff that's going on over there like the the woman who got in prison in her house and stuff probably. yeah yeah there's a that phone call from her like her first phone call out in like some years starts off the the film you know talking about the oppression and the sort of what happens i was just talking to the to somebody about socialism recently and like it seems like all these sort of structures that are supposed to that are set up to support society always end up in tyranny at some point yeah too bad huh? because so, like socialism it's awesome, you know? Hey, area is got, you know, area is taken care of. Hey, it's all good. In theory. But then there's always some asshole who comes and fucks it all up. <laughs> it's greed, right? Yeah, I guess so. I'm working it's just assholes, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally it could just be just fucking assholes. Uh next year like one of my one of my uh new year's resolutions is to try to not pay for as much stuff as possible. Just work mm -hmm trading art or some sort of art related thing to where just try to figure out a way not to use the currency as best okay. I can. And cool. I'm, I'm already starting to figure out ways like right now I'm, I'm doing uh, a painting for the coffee shop up the street. So I get free coffee for six months, you know, just for nice. doing a painting for their, for the shop, you know, mm -hmm. really working, trying to work the barter system because the problem is, is that we, give all this money to corporations and it just goes elsewhere to some CEO in some office somewhere. Like we, we need to figure out ways to spend money within the community. And, uh, my buddy, Sean was just over today. He, he came and picked up a couple pieces. He's talking about this thing called a time bank where people in a particular community will go and offer services for a particular amount of time. So like, let's say a lawyer will offer two hours 
to help you with your divorce or your business papers or something. So he'll okay. mark here. I have two hours on the log and each person, they only trade their time. So, you know, whatever service they provide, it's everyone's time is of equal value, you know? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people don't realize that, you know, what we're paying for is each other's time and the work that we put in. It's not even about the actual thing. It's like, I, you know, I, when you, for, I think for, particularly for artists, like it's like we're selling the amount of time we put into the painting that we made. Sometimes it's not just the painting itself. It's like the blood, sweat and tears that happen mm-hmm. throughout the process, you know? Yeah. So that's good, man. It's a good intention to put out there. I hope it, it works out for you. You got to find somebody in like a, that works for an airline or something to exchange tickets for art. Yeah, no doubt. I'm, I'm working the whole thing out. I'm trying, man. Yeah, nice. You think you'll go to Miami next year? Oh yeah, no doubt. I I was I was so pleased with how the whole Miami experience turned out, and I was mm-hmm. I was talking about it recently. Like, there was part of me that it it I had no there was nothing to lose for me on the trip. Like, I wasn't concerned about any like selling artwork or like how I was gonna look in public or you know like there was no like no insecurities about anything like it was all just a trip about having fun nice that made it just an unbelievably perfect trip right because there was nothing that could really go wrong per se i lost my sunglasses that was about it fuck yeah really (laughs) like no big no big fucking deal right Sweet. Yeah, I had a blast, too. It was uh, so fun. Like, I love art. I love to see other people's art. And I definitely fucking swam in that fucking huge tunnel, that shit. And I, I love to meet other artists, too. And, and just uh, just see it, like, be, like, you know, walking down the street and seeing it being created all around you. It's it's just so great. Just every corner, people were, people were doing things. And that was part of part of it was, like... You know, I keep mentioning the the one party, like, that everybody was having a good time. There was such, like, a good vibe amongst people. Like, nobody was having a bad time. Like, nobody's being douchey. Nobody's being uh-huh. egotistical. It's, like, just a bunch of artists having a good time. Which party? The Fountain one? Yeah, was the one that uh, Fab Five Freddy DJed. Like, there was a moment yeah. where I looked and just, like, everyone here is having a good time. You know, and and beyond all that, like the people, like one of the most interesting things was all the people I met, you know, and who everybody, like everybody interacts because you see each other on different corners and you run into the same people and you build like this weird community just because we're all makers of things, you know, it was a very interesting, you know, and I'm sure it's weird for people who are locals there to see it build like that. But like for me, it was, it was. It was exhilarating, kind of like rejuvenating, even though like I've kind of been bummed on art lately, but like it just hasn't been that rewarding to me. I just posted like the martial arts have been more rewarding to me recently, like just in terms Mm -hmm. of like, you know, like gratifying. Well, you got to switch it up the same with, with traveling to get away from your normal environment. Sometimes if you're painting all day, you can get burned out. So that's when you go and you kick another person in your case and I can go and skateboard all day and I come back and it's like, ah, cool, I got my fucking energy out. That's great. But you, you're like not stoked on art because of the business side of things or just because you're just not in an inspiration moment? Um, yeah, it, it feels kind of just like um, like the day-to-day, like the thing that you do. It hasn't it – has, there, there's a few – like. The recent work hasn't been that inspirational, but going to Miami, like Miami, really was, and it's it it inspired me to do some things coming up here in the future that are going to be much more inspirational. I just gotta nice. get through some monotonous work first. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah. I'll be back. I was just thinking that, like, you know, like a little bit of the sheen had worn off. You know, like a little, like it just feels a little less exciting. But maybe mm-hmm. it's just me hey. getting old. They just try something radically new. Yeah, and, totally. You know, sometimes you gotta start from zero, and it's not so great. But it's like, oh, but at least, for example, I got so stoked three years ago when I started doing spray paint because I never really tried it before because my brother's a graffiti dude, and I didn't want to do. I wanted to give him the space to him just do that. But then I learned spray paint, and I still not that great at it. 
but every time I do it, I can see myself improve, and it gets me so excited. It's like, ah, oh, cool, yeah, yeah, I can see my improvement. One acrylics, I've already sort of like plateaued in, in you know, I'll, I'll always get better, but it's the 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 advancements are almost unnoticeable. So I know maybe like a new medium could like get you stoked again. Huh? Well, that's what I'm saying. That the, the the martial arts have been that that new medium. It's, mm-hmm. all, it's all about the, every single thing is just about finding that that moment like being in the moment and it's those it's these like these specific things like concentrating on a particular move or concentrating on a particular brush stroke for me it's all just being right there at that particular moment that's the the important thing you know and having fun too Mm -hmm. like some i think that's been the biggest thing like painting hasn't been that much fun lately indoors outdoors has been fun as shit yeah Painting well, you're indoors. lucky you can do it outdoors all year round, man. I couldn't do graffiti out here right now. It's fucking frozen out there. Wow, that's a, <laughs> it's beautiful today. On uh, Today's the winter solstice, right? Or was it yesterday? I think it's today. Yesterday. Yesterday, yesterday I think. I was painting out on the porch today, and it actually felt much nicer because the sun was out. The sun hadn't been out for about a week or so. And it, Ugh, it was show that, off. <laughs> it was, you know, and people think that people always say San Diego doesn't have seasons, but all the leaves around here and all the trees are turning bright red and falling off and yellow. And look, there's a really beautiful contrast between the trees and, you know, the perfect blue skies out here. It's a, we're lucky as shit. Yeah, that's sweet. We don't have that much fresh water though. No, and yeah, how the how's like the cops out there? I hear like. America's turning into like a like police state. Well, yeah. Aren't they, bring, aren't they bringing the army back from Iraq so they can then like fight you guys? It that <laughs> it looks like they're gearing up for like the way it looks. It seems as though they're preparing for some civil unrest. Is what it looks like, you know. So you know, with all the Occupy movement stuff going on, like it looks like maybe a like if the stock market crashes again, like a bad crash, like. You would be surprised how quickly people panic. So, like, we had, uh, last year we had a power outage here, like a pretty significant one in Southern California that lasted for, like, two days. People mm-hmm. were shitting their pants like it was the end of days. Like, this uh. is it. You know, if you went to the grocery store, people were buying, like, all the water on the shelf, which was a ludicrous amount of water, and all the alcohol, too, which is hilarious. And, and just fucking, like, just panicking. So it looks like... The government is setting up new laws and figuring out ways to militarize the police as a way to control civil unrest when the shit does hit the fan like it's going to. Do you got a plan B? Well, for me, I I talk about this a lot, and it's it's funny. We were just talking about the martial arts. Like, for me, (laughs) it really seems like I've been training for uh, some sort of reason, like, for some sort of change. Like, like I might have to go chase a fucking deer down in the woods to eat some shit. You know what I mean? Like, I I feel like like about – it was actually the winter solstice a few years – like, probably three or four years ago, I decided to – improve both body and mind and in in trying to improve my body i was flabby and fat and out of shape and you know just couldn't move well and i i made a conscious choice it seemed like on my own but as it progressed it felt like i was preparing for something not just like trying to better my health or like get less fat it was more like you may need to use this body that you just like uh, took for granted for 28 years or so, 29 years, right? Yeah. And it's like this sort of thing. Like if if grocery stores don't work tomorrow, like if there's no food, you're going to have to figure out a way to get food. And if you got to walk fucking five miles to go find a food source, a lot of fat motherfuckers who have been just sitting on a couch or in an office somewhere aren't going to be able to do that and a lot of people are going to freak the fuck out probably die or just go batshit and it looks like they're building up the police to be more military more militaristic and also adding bringing the military in to act as a police which is crazy like they're they just passed a law basically making it to where u.s citizens can be looked at as enemy combatants that's so fucked up, dude. Yeah. 
that's weird. Well, I let's hope that you don't need to bring out the ninja moves and kick a deer in the head. No, I totally don't want cops. to. And let's just hope that, you know, instead of, you know, the world going berserk and exploding, let's just fucking hope that it's like some kind of like mass spiritual awakening and that all the assholes wake up one day and it's like, oh, why was I being an asshole? Let's start doing good for everybody. Let's start sharing. And that's what I've talked to. I've been, I've been talking about that a lot too because with all the Occupy stuff, everybody thinks they're a revolutionary now. And that's something also I was always talking about with the dude with socialism is that revolution by definition requires violence. Like, we need something other than revolution. Revolution has just recreated the same fucking tyranny over and over again. What what needs to happen is really an evolution. Like, a change in, in the system, a total disconnect from this previous system and starting new. Because we, we see the same problems over and over. It's like, how long are we going to keep bouncing our head off the wall like dumb little monkeys and, and yeah. move forward? Totally. No more us against them. Just we're all one. The oneness of human beings, you know, taking care of each other. You know, I. that's why I, politics just confuse me and piss me off because there's never like one solution that makes everybody happy. And we'll always end up fighting forever and never just find that solution that makes us all happy. And that's why I, I, I try to stay away from politics in my art and I move more to a spiritual side where I'm looking for the root of how can we all just connect and realize our oneness and in that way, you know, do good and be good. And I, I hope that the awakening does happen in my lifetime and that, you know, we will save ourselves from our own self-destruction. But till then, you know, I can only hope and hope that the reality comes out from inside me out and manifest that or choose my parallel reality where I will live doing that, you know? And that's what we need to do. A lot of these um, these ancient spiritual sort of texts may be just metaphors for internal sort of awakenings within oneself. And if, if, if there's a change within oneself, maybe you automatically see that change throughout the world. Totally. So first we got to work on ourselves and be the change that we want to see in the world, as Gandhi said. That's right. I think that's a good spot. Let's Now that we got that out of the way, let's plug your website so people can go see your stuff. <laughs> is, that, yeah. is that douchey oh, to do yeah, a plug? To, like, become super commercial artist again. Yeah. All right. Can... So my webpage is positivecreations.ca, as in Canada. <laughs> And uh, there, there's windows to my different web pages, my social network shit, my uh, fucking uh, documentary web page, my clothing store web page, my art web page. And I also wanted to plug my new book that just came out with Shepherd Publishing. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. I think it's only 30 bucks, including the shipping. And it's like a 256-page hardcover book. So... Go out and get it, kids. Yeah. People have those Amazon gift cards after the uh, the holidays. They can go get that. Oh, no way. Cool. So maybe we'll make a killing there. Right. <laughs> and I'll, I'll post all that stuff up on the blog, too, so that there's links for people to go find that stuff as well. Nice. Thanks, man. All right. You want to turn on your camera? We'll do internet dap and, and call it a day. What's an internet dap? Watch. I'll show you. You know what a dap is? You know, just like knuckles? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like a punch. It, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like internet handshake. <laughs> All right, brother. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for taking the time to do the show. I'm glad we got to sit down and chat again. Okay, nice, man. It was awesome talking to you, Mike. Yeah, brother. We'll have to do it in person again soon. Yeah, hopefully. All right, brother. Have a great day. Okay. All right. <laughs> Later. his own destiny and in this judgment there is no partiality and soon we'll find out who is the real revolutionary and I don't want my people to be tricked by mercenaries brother you're right Right, so right, we're gonna fight, we 
gonna fight We're gonna fight Fighting for our rights Not be dreaded in a Zimbabwe Set it up in a Zimbabwe I and I have liberated Zimbabwe I and I have liberated Zimbabwe No more internal power struggle We come together to overcome a little struggle And soon we'll find out who is a real revolutionary And I don't want my people to be contrary And brother, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're so right We're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, we're gonna fight, fighting for our rights. Uh, I dread it in a Zimbabwe, set it up in a Zimbabwe, Nayal Barrett, Zimbabwe, Ayanayal Barrett, Zimbabwe, Ayanayal Barrett.